Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, attorney blogger on The Legal Geeks, and with me is my partner, Jessica Meterson. Jessica, how are you tonight? Hey, Josh. I'm good. How are you? Much better. I feel completed because Guardians of the Galaxy has been released. <laughs> and did it meet all of your hopes and dreams? I'm a better person now. <laughs> I, I'm not at the point of hugging strangers, but I feel warm inside. And it's all because of that dancing tree. It's just, it was too beautiful. Too beautiful. You know, who knew that Vin Diesel would steal the movie and steal my heart? Like going into the movie, that would have been the one thing I would not have expected. I don't know if they had a meeting, you know, James Gunn sitting there with, with the execs from Marvel Studios and said, let's make people cry over a raccoon and a tree. Who's with me? Because <laughs> mission accomplished, guys. Bravo. Bravo. Yes, and at least those were sweet tears. Unlike my biggest complaint about the movie, and I understand why they had to do it, but that opening scene, I was bawling before, like, you know, this, the credits even began. I was like, this is too sad. I can't handle that. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're having... Yes, yeah, spoiler alert, people. You better listen to us after you see the movie. Peter Quill's mom is dying of cancer, and my mom died of cancer. My mom. I know. I thought of you. Thank you. Uh, that bothered me. <laughs> I mean, like, for, a lot of people have died of cancer, and there are a lot of loved ones who survive. And every you know family member who's who's lost someone to cancer, that scene should have connected with people across the board, uh, because when you see a family member like that, it's super painful. And to have a kid going through mom dying, um, it is a true Disney move. It uh, is. That's true. I know. They always kill the moms at the beginning of the Disney movies. You know, she just needed to be wearing a red shirt for, you know, the trifecta. <laughs> you know, I, I was surprised they didn't go there. But anyway, I, would, I grew up being a Marvel fan and reading the comic yes. books. And you, you know Dune and John Carter. So you know classic sci-fi. What did this film mean to you? being new to the characters. It is. You know, I'm new to the characters. I'm really relatively new to the Marvel Universe, right? I mean, I read the occasional, you know, X-Men or, uh, you know, other comics when I was a kid, the Avengers, but not really like you did. So this whole universe is new to me, and I've learned a lot in the past year or two, thanks to you, Josh, and thanks to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and this marvelous machine that Marvel and Disney have put together. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy in particular, I mean, aside from, you know, a passing acquaintance with Thanos now, again, thanks to you and the other movies, I didn't know about any of these characters. Um, but it was, it was a ton of fun. I could relate to all of them very well. I mean, obviously, you know, the backstory for all of them is intriguing, and I want to know more about the backstories, especially uh, Gamora and Nebula. I mean, I think the two adopted daughters of Thanos, they're fascinating. But um it worked really well. It didn't matter that I didn't know all the backstory. It was easy to get into it right away. The one thing I will say, and this is kind of like, you know, where I don't know what came first, but there were certain scenes that to me remind me very much of like Star Wars or Indiana Jones. But I'm like, you know what, to be fair, like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were probably inspired by Marvel, right? So, you know, is this stuff, is this work being derivative of those works or were they derivative of Marvel and, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy in the first place? James Gunn acknowledged that films from his childhood, such as Indiana Jones 
and other classics that Gen Xers and Gen Yers grew up with heavily impacted him. And there was even a, I saw a blog post that actually listed movies that inspired him. And there were some classics going way back. I, I don't remember which, but the entire scene where Quill goes in and gets the uh, Infinity Stone, that was an homage to Indiana Jones. Yeah. And so it was... It okay, was, good. So I picked it up correctly then. Which was nice. I mean, he connected... Uh, he had probably one of the most challenging jobs because of all the people who thought this movie would be a failure. And it, it was just incredible instead. Just a beautiful story. <laughs> Can we talk a second about him? Now, I know him because he was married to Pam from The Office for a while. While he was married to her, he directed Slither, which was like this comical kind of horror movie joke thing. And then he also is the brother of Sean Gunn, who was Kirk on Gilmore Girls, one of my favorite shows. And it was nice to see Sean Gunn popping up as a second in command for the Ravishers in this. Um, but I'm like, how did James Gunn, who according to IMDb, I think he's directed maybe – three other movies, maybe two, although I do want to see that super uh, with Rain Wilson. That looks interesting. Um, how did he get this Marvel movie? Do you know? I, or was it because it was kind of a joke that they didn't take it seriously? No, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. And Slither was good. Was and, it? I've never seen it. Was it like giant worms or something? Yeah, it's a horror sci-fi. And there's a Slither homage, I, I believe, in the collector's collection. But... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know how he pulled it off, but give the man a medal and let him oh, do yeah. another, let him do another one because well, he, he's already signed up for a second one, right? Didn't I see that he's already committed to the second one? And I think they'll release it July two thousand seventeen. I think is the plan. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if there's anything else he wants to do, that will happen. So, yes. uh, fun little story. So let's talk about some of the legal issues because we can geek out for hours about what it meant to us, but. <laughs> I've seen legal issues in it because that's how I roll. What legal issues did you see? Well, you know, you are the the king of issue spotting in these things. I tend to just kind of go with the flow and enjoy them more. But obviously, yes, um, Thanos adopting those two poor little girls would be the huge red flag of, my God, worst adoption ever. Um, so that was a big one. I did actually like just at the end, kind of this whole idea, the whole explanation that even though we're expunging your past criminal records, like you don't get, you know, a free pass for all future things. And I thought that whole discussion of what kind of things were illegal that, you know, drafts and Rocket had a hard time grasping that, no, 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 if I want it more than them, how can it be illegal for me to take it? <laughs> I thought that was a ton of fun. And I'm like, you know what? I think there's some real life criminals who have that same kind of, you know, talent, understanding how the laws work. This so. would be kleptomania at this point. <laughs> so those were a couple obvious ones. How about you? I saw a few. In the adoption one being like, that would not be okay. No. You can't, normally you cannot kill a family and then adopt the kids unless you oh. kill, kill the entire planet and there's no legal system left and then you're just abducting them. That's not okay. Quill being, you know, there was some spoilers in this because we find out at the end when Yondu uh, kidnapped uh, Quill or alien abduction. Right. Uh, that was to take him to his biological father after the mother just died, 
which I think would technically be okay if the kid knew he was going to his father. Since they just kind of kept him, that's full-on abduction, if not child exploitation, and God knows what other horrors that kid went through. Uh, probably amounting to torture with the I kept them from eating you uh, stories. So not. Yes. And technically, I would think if the father were actually, let's say, of this land and of this nation, um, if the parents were split up for whatever reason, you know, the question is what kind of uh, managing conservatorship or uh, custody they had, obviously. And so, yeah, if they had joint custody, then, yeah, the son going to the father after the mother's death wouldn't be an issue. But if, like, his parental rights had been terminated or if he didn't have any managing custody, then there might be issues, actually. Um, I know in some states, like in Texas, too, if he's been living with the grandparents, if the mom and he have been living with the grandparents for like the last six months of the mom's life, then even after she dies, in that case, the grandparents are still uh, given some limited visitation rights. Because, you know, that's always an issue is what kind of rights do grandparents have? Um, so it would not, even if he had just gone to the father, there still could have been some thorny legal issues there. Agreed. There was a line from the mom about go with your father or a reference about the father. I don't remember the, the exact quote. So I think it was within her intent that the father be involved. I'm not sure if she knew he was an alien. She seemed to, though. She made some reference to the father, something for the stars. Yes. So I got the idea that this is kind of like the women who sleep with the gods. They know what they're getting with these half-bloods, you know, Percy Jackson kind of stuff. Um, so I got the idea that she did know that he was special. That's why she called him her little star-lord, right? Which was very cute. and yes. Which was very cute. So you have that entire kidnapping, rights of the father conundrum <laughs> right there. I also thought long and hard about the animal experimentation on Rocket. Yes. And that's kind of a mixed bag because I looked at one case that said it was not animal abuse for a high school student as part of a school experiment to give chickens cancer. Whoa. I mean, that's true. We do do medical testing on animals all the time, right? So it would turn on what was the purpose of the experiments yeah were they just being sadistic and evil or were they trying to you know when you take a raccoon that has an iq of what two or three and you give it and you give it superhuman level intelligence so it can design weapons out of scraps there's a lot there that you greatly enhance that raccoon. Were they trying to figure out some procedures for people who might have had dementia or, or some other horrid disease, but then all the bionics so the rocket could walk upright, uh, opposable thumbs? There, and I don't know if a raccoon has <laughs> thumbs to begin with on his little or her little plug. I've seen them open up sugar packets, so I think they've got pretty handy hands there. Yeah, I haven't. I, I have not done battle with a raccoon, so I'm not quite sure on that one. They're but. very smart. If anything, the only risk of becoming more human-like is they're totally going to end up with diabetes type 2 because they love sugar, and uh, the smarter they get, the easier it will be for them to find sugar. Now, there was a reference when Rocket was being uh, going through security or arraignment, whatever you want to call that, that he was the product of a legal experimentation. 
And I don't know if that meant it was illegal because they didn't want a planet of the raccoon situation happening. <laughs> you know, dawn of the planet of the raccoons. I mean, that, that could not be okay on many levels. Or if it was just like, dude, what are you doing with the raccoon? That's really not okay uh, to just go mingle uh, on some poor little animal. So, right. Uh, but the test that I could gather was whether or not the pain the animal suffered was transitory in nature and short. And it had to have a scientific purpose. You couldn't just go like, hey, let's see what this does. And you, you can't just do that to a little guy. Yeah. So that was an issue that I saw uh, with it. And so that's a good one. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I was concerned because you can't just, I like Rocket. And, you know, it was funny. I didn't grow up reading Guardians. My brother did. And the team mm-hmm. lineup when, when Gabe read it, and then I would read it by extension because we would trade. With, sure. he, would read the, he would read the ones I had that he didn't read and vice versa. Um, it took place a thousand years in the future. It was a different lineup entirely alternate reality and so so it was a totally different storyline one of the other issues that i saw was the collector because all of oh that was the creepiest part of the whole movie i think yeah i i loved uh, you know the actor i thought he did a benicio yeah Yeah. i mean the the arm shake thing was just like dude rock on i mean like you got (laughs) you got creepy down Uh, And OCD in the worst possible way. Mm -hmm. But all the people and animals in those stasis chambers were conscious, Mm -hmm. but not aging, not needing to eat, because it's not like they were being fed and had to use bathroom facilities. And you had a 60-year-old Soviet space dog that's still alive and kicking. Right. So uh, that's false imprisonment, kidnapping. On torture, because it's not like they had TV. It's not <laughs> like they could go out and exercise. I mean, they're they're trapped in their current physical form, so that's good on one level. But there's no growth. You can't get out. Yeah. Well, the poor slave girl who was trapped. I mean, she clearly looked miserable and awful. So it's pretty clear that that was a horrible uh, condition. Yeah. Not okay. No. Not, not okay. And he was a little different than the comics, but that's all right. But hmm. those issues jumped out at me right out of the gate of, that's, you can't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kidnapping. False imprisonment. Uh, so yeah, you, just, you can't do that to people. So now, were you familiar with the end credits on the person we saw at the end? You mean Howard the Duck? Yes. You know, and I never actually saw that movie. I feel like I need to see it just because it's, you know, has such a reputation as being so fantastically bad. Um, I did think that was very funny. My only disappointment with that is I actually waited for one more credit after that because I felt like usually Marvel uses these credits to kind of tease something or kind of lead to something else. And I just felt like that was kind of a one-off, like a funny moment, but didn't use, you know, didn't follow, I thought, Marvel's typical MO where it kind of like tease, here's what's coming next or something. They go in two different directions. There's the mid credit scene and then there's the final scene. <gasps> Did I miss and, a final scene? I only saw one scene. So the, mid, the final scene was Howard the Duck. 
Okay. And mid-credit, oh golly, what the heck was mid-credit? I'm blanking on it, which is not a good sign of what the impression that it made. I don't upon. think we had a mid-credit. Yeah, unless it was so nothing that I don't remember it at all. Because I remember seeing Howard the Duck and thinking, well, there's one more. Because, right, there are always two. Mm-hmm. Maybe, was it a Thanos thing? I'll, I need to go back and look. So huh. I might go catch the late show tonight because I'm oh I, I loved it so much. And you really did. Well, there, there were so many great one-liners that, People were laughing, and you couldn't hear the follow-up line. That is true. Which is, and it was really like the Avengers in that, right? Because that was the same issue I felt with the Avengers. Is uh, I was like, okay, I watched it once in the theater. Now I want to watch it at home so I can hear every line without people laughing over it. Um, I definitely feel that James Gunn has a lot of that same sort of feeling. I will say. My only criticism, and I did like it. I don't think I loved it as much as you, but I enjoyed it very much. Although, surprisingly, I still think Captain America is my favorite movie of the year, which surprises me. But um, I felt at times it was a little too try hard to be Joss Whedon, quippy kind of. Like, you know, so that was the only thing where, but it was good. And I love Chris Pratt and I love Zoe Saldana and all that. But every once in a while, I'm like, all right, you're trying a little bit too hard to be cutesy, quirky. It's interesting to compare and contrast the two Marvel movies where you had Captain America, the political thriller, mm-hmm. and addressing issues of war on terror. And it was fun. It was a great adventure. And I love that movie a lot. And uh, I, I'm torn because Guardians is about making going to the movies fun, mm-hmm. despite the fact that all the characters but Groot have suffered horribly. And that's fascinating to go with the character whose mom dies in the first five minutes to it being a feel-good movie with a dance-off. <laughs> well, that's a Disney movie for you. Well, that and Nemo, you know, they wiped out the mom and all the other kids in the first, you know, two minutes. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, the line such as your pelvic sorcery, you know, it's just like rock on, you know, it's, that was, that was so much fun. But, uh, I do think part of why I like Captain America so much is that it, because of its connection to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think I'm really enjoying that more and more, how it's such a bigger picture kind of thing. I think if I'd just seen Captain America without Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and luckily really getting into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as it, as it had picked I, right before Captain America, I think that's what really, for me, made Captain America so good. Plus, I do got uh, Samuel Jackson as Director Fury. is just so freaking awesome. But I think that's part of why, because I keep thinking about why did I love Captain America so much? And I think it's because of the connection to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's you're probably not alone in that feeling there i i love i love both but i think i love them for different reasons uh, and the sci-fi adventure part of me just love guardians of galaxy because you know, i felt good it's a great ride captain america is what i believe in for the country good action adventure and faith you know in your friend and to compare the two, both have very different end credit scenes where Foundation's laid for the future in Captain America 3 with Barnes seeing his exhibit in the Smithsonian. Yeah. And Guardians ends with a punchline, which is yeah. okay. Which is okay, you know, to go with Howard the Duck was one of the worst movies ever made, ever, hmm. to something that just 
it's, it's okay to feel good. It's okay that not everything has to be an emotionally traumatic experience. And the fact we watch a mom die and kids were raised and experimented on. Oh, and we still feel good at the end of it. Uh, we do, but I was thinking, like, I let my kids see the Avengers. I would not let them see Guardians of the Galaxy yet. I'm like, actually, while it's a feel-good thing and Chris Pratt is really funny, the opening scene was traumatic. Um, Ronan with the whole oh, hammer on the head thing, that was awful. And then, actually, the collector was so creepy. I'm like, this is definitely something that I think is for, you know, tweens to teens. But the Avengers Thor, I think, is God. That's safe for, like, five-year-olds, actually. That was awesome for, you know, younger kids because there's really actually no real violence in it. Um but even the Avengers isn't too bad. Guardians is funny. On the one hand, it is feel good and it's really funny, but it was actually kind of dark and creepy in ways too. Well, it is. It is their first PG thirteen film. Oh, were the others? I thought the Avengers was PG thirteen. Is that PG? Mm-hmm. PG. PG. Oh well, that would explain why it's a little bit darker. So, and it's okay for you know you being a good mom and going no, not yet. Yeah. That's that's, that's responsible. We want. <laughs> More parents should do that. So, gold star. Keep, keep that up. <laughs> so, I got that going for me. Yay. Which is nice. It's, so, <laughs> it, it's, it's a great story. There are multiple legal issues. Uh, I've done a couple posts. I know you'll uh, probably do one or two yourself because that's what we do here. And I want to do my mixtape. I got to work on my mixtape. Did you like mine? I did. I thought it was very good. You know, that was my first time using Spotify, and I don't know if I'm sp- saying it correctly, so forgive me, Internet. But <laughs> one of the songs I added, uh, it's on my playlist, but it, it didn't come up in the, in the one I embedded on the post. And the second to last song is Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. That's an awesome song. It's, and I figured that's, you know, then we end, end with Over the Rainbow by Izzy, because... That's a good way to end, but uh, definitely had fun with Lincoln back, trying to keep everything in the 80s. Some things dip into the 70s. One thing might dip into the 60s, but it's definitely a fun little ride. Well, I'll see if I can do my own, if I have the technical wherewithal this week to do that. Well, I know you can. So, <laughs> and if not, you have tech support. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, it's a beautiful thing. So with that... Any closing thoughts? No, just I want more Nebula and Gamora. I would like to see Karen Gillian was on Doctor Who, and who was the sweet companion to the eleventh Doctor. So having her be the cybernetic, thanks, Dad, kick butt villain was showed her range, and that was pretty yeah. awesome. And her, she's a redhead. Her hair after being shaved, is going to be used in Star Wars Episode Seven somehow, which Ooh. is quite the geek trifecta for her to go from Doctor Who to Guardians to her hair being in Star Wars. Wow, very cool. So, gold star to her. So, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. That's awesome. So, with that, <laughs> America, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America.